Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. If you are a cannabis company interested in working with creators, you can go to highcurious.com and schedule a free consultation with me where I will help you with your marketing and find the right people to solve your problems for you. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back, and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's The Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. I am Joyce, and thank you again for joining me on The Cannamom Show. All right, so Dave, so, as we know, sorry? I said so. So, I can't even pause long enough for Dave to say so. <laughs> so, Dave, as we know, cannabis is a growing industry. And I was just reading that Massachusetts sales, cannabis sales hit a record of just about $1.8 billion in 2022. Would this surprise you? I mean, I guess you could throw you thrown out any astronomical number to me. And I guess I would have said, well, yeah. But context. Was, yeah, go ahead. So I can just say I'm like Forrest Gump. I've been around forever in this industry. <laughs> and in 2018, I was actually at the very first opening in Leicester. And the money that year that the state brought in was $6.1 million. Mm. And I know I'm old, but 2018 to 2023 isn't that long. <laughs> okay, no. and here we are. So Dave, why don't you describe what you're showing us today? Sure, we're looking. So what, what road is this? Do you know? It's some very small little road in the middle of the state in the town of Leicester, Massachusetts on okay. November 20th, 2018. And it just, yeah. Or, <laughs> it's fine. We're looking at a 
a long line of cars. We're talking like of the scale of like a Patriots game or something. It, and, it kind of described the weather because when I yeah. described this day, it was like it was like the Walking Dead, like zombies <laughs> from everywhere. It was this kind of gray day, and there were humans walking everywhere to come to this very little tiny shop in the middle of the state. <laughs> right. Well, what time of day was this? About in the morning or? Yeah, that's like yep. probably 10, 11 in the morning. Yeah, yeah the weather looks bleak. <clears throat> bleak is the is the <laughs> word I would use. And there's uh, a moisture on the ground, but not snow. And there's definitely snow around. And it looks it looks kind of miserable, frankly. And we're driving. You're driving the opposite way of all these calls. Yeah, because we're in the media. We're driving towards and they're driving to park. <laughs> yeah, and the line keeps going and going, going. and going. And there's nothing around. This is a dispensary in the middle of literally nowhere. Yep. We've got a couple there are of people walking. Yeah. And if you go further on, there are actually more people heading because they've given up in their cars. Trekking. People are waiting. See, yeah. I it's think a, it's more the history than anything else. It's like never ending. It's just the media line right here. This entire time you've been driving, we're still driving. We haven't seen the end of this line. Patience. I have a card. Right. That not would help <laughs> it's us. Awesome, dude. Who is who is that in the car with you? I'm actually in the car with Jimmy Young, and oh, he went from New England. Might know him as a um, former sportscaster. Right. Is this the media I remember Jimmy Young, sure. Yeah, I used to work with him. Okay, so there he is. So And, he, uh, and there, he tells the people we're from C, uh, what did he call us? CMN, and they thought he said CNN, and they let him right in because he was <laughs> Jimmy Young. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So I was there. It was snowing. It was cold. It was wild. And people were just, it was like, I think that's what people thought cannabis was going to be like for the rest of the life. Like every time a new dispensary is going to come in, there's going to be chaos, but it's not like that anymore. So that was yeah. Now, I think I told you on a prior episode that there's, I had been going to this dispensary near Gillette Stadium, kind of right down the road from there. And that, which is like three and a half miles from my house. Turns out there's a, another dispensary about a quarter mile from, or three quarters of a mile from my house. And, and they're all, it's, it's kind of a, a cool thing to do just because it's almost like no matter what dispensary you walk into in Massachusetts, they're all almost brand new still. And they're mm -hmm. all clean and well run. And so it's a nice experience. It is. And I go to a new dispensary every week if you follow me on Instagram. So you can mm -hmm. see a lot of them through me and decide where to go. And then, that was that was kind of fun. That was a nice little memory. I, and I do talk about cannabis feeling like dog years. 2018 does feel like a very long time ago. Things are changing a lot in Massachusetts. So, And we're part of the history. It's probably one of the few <laughs> industries to have grown over the run of the pandemic, right? Because mm, it, it, it seems like a pretty pandemic-proof industry. Are you right? Well, there's, like, there's some stuff going on, but we can talk about that later. All right. And I'm going to inform my canna culture section of the show. <laughs> I have a show recommendation, which is sort of cannabis related. There's a show that I watched this weekend called Ginny and Georgia. It's about a very complicated mother-daughter relationship, but it has a Massachusetts connection because it is set in a fictional Wellesley, Massachusetts. If you can imagine what that would be like, Dave. A, fic a fictional Wellesley, Massachusetts. It's called Wellbury, I believe. Oh, Wellbury. Okay. They talk a lot about Brookline and Boston, so it's clearly Wellesley. Mm -hmm. Got it. <laughs> and the first season, there's a controversy about bringing a dispensary, a cannabis dispensary into town. So I just thought that was a good Massachusetts cannabis connection, and it's a good show. So Ginny and Georgia, if you're looking for something to watch. Very good. So uh, just to point out, people, Wellesley does not, the real Wellesley does not have a dispensary there yet. So mm. if it does, I'll let you know. 
I wonder if that's a fight at town meeting, if they have town meeting. Because I'm sure it is. Because if there is one town in Massachusetts that's uh, not in my not in my backyard town, that would probably be it. Wellesley, mm-hmm. Swellsley. Well, or Weston. I or used to Weston, work at a yeah. law firm. So we can talk law stuff, but I worked at a law firm that did municipal work, and they wanted to extend the bike path through one of those W towns, mm-hmm. and they fought <laughs> it tooth and nail. Of course they did. They don't want anything. They want to be left alone and be rich, and stay in their houses all day. And have their pot delivered to them. Right. All right, whatever. Yeah. Some people like to go out and see people. <laughs> All yeah, right, there you are. That. Cannabis Culture by Joyce. Mm-hmm. And now we are going to talk to today's guest, who stepped up generously because I was speaking to her this week, and I think this is a great short story to share. So, today's guest. She joins us today from Colorado, where she's using her public relations and marketing skills to develop an app focused on supporting creators through High Curious Content Marketplace. Today's guest has found her own healing through microdosing and is now laser focused on connecting small and medium cannabis businesses, cannabis creatives at High Curious. I'm a member of her marketing community and she has graciously stepped up to share her story with us today. And I want to encourage any canna creators listening today to join us. Please welcome to the Canna Mom Show, Lauren Mundell, creator of the High Curious Content Marketplace. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me, Joyce. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, so it's good to be with you. It's good to see you. So let's begin in the beginning. What were you in the beginning. Before 2016, and it's sort of professionally, and then what was your connection to cannabis? So for starting in about 2005, I was working as a wellness marketer in New York City, working for multiple different public relations agencies, and mostly for the last eight years of my stint in corporate working at Ketchum and representing clients like Weight Watchers, Pfizer, PepsiCo, Frito-Lay, avocados from Mexico, and really helping them position themselves as wellness products, working with registered dietitians and the media to bring up the better for you conversation. And so then in... That's sort of funny. I, I, the, the, the wellness connection. That I hadn't thought of that before I talked to you today. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. And so then in, in 2017, my husband retired from the Navy Reserves And he was really excited to use cannabis again that he hadn't in 25 years, but was like, I can't wait. And I was like, we're not doing that. And he, I was like buttoned up, like New York, commuting to the city, like super rat race. And he was like, so I'm going to smoke weed. And I was like, you're going to be like in the basement with like a white beater and Cheetos on, like in Cheetos all over. Like, I don't. And so. That's so funny. So did you have any, so prior to this, what was your connection to cannabis? Nothing? I tried it in college and it was not for me. Uh, say, I was like, say no to drugs is right, man. That was it really. Um, and you had two children I, at this point. How old, how old were your kids at this point when your husband decided he's going to become a drug user? <laughs> so funny because what ended up happening is I became a drug user, right? And he is still like, I mean, he uses it, but in a much different way than I do. And uh, my kids were like 13 and 16 at the t- 17 at the time. It's kind of comparable uh, to me. That's funny. I think we talked about this. Okay. So yeah, what I happened next? Yeah. 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 And then I took 
pen on vacation with me, a cannabis vape pen on vacation with me while I was still working at Ketchum. And I was able to use it in like little bits during the day. And how did, how did you like, find this cannabis pen? Where did you get it? In New York? Yeah. Just bought it. Oh, <laughs> out of time, I got I had a friend who had a dealer. Who, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then okay. that dealer became, that's why I live in Colorado now, because <laughs> I didn't have that in my life. It felt just so you too. Went, you went right from like, there it's good to like having a dealer in New York. That's impressive. That's a good storyline. Yeah. And then like four years later, here I am, like completely out of corporate and in cannabis. And it's like, if you would have told me five, six years ago that like this would be me, I would have been like, you're on drugs. Yeah. All right. So, so you bring this vape pen with you and what happened? So I bring this vape pen with me to Clearwater, Florida. And I'm sitting on the beach and enjoying just that feeling of a little cannabis because I was using very small doses at the time. And it just hit me. I was like, this is a wellness supplement. Why isn't anyone talking about this like that? And in 2017 was still very much about like donors or medical, right? So it was like, it's either for people who are dying of cancer or it's for stoners. And I was like, there's such a chasm in the middle that nobody's talking about. And that's what got me really excited and actually got me to be too excited about cannabis to like stay in corporate anymore and for like kind of forced me to jump into the cannabis industry probably too early <laughs> now in hindsight. But now I've certainly found my my wedge and my spot, which is taking what I'm great at, which is working in doing public relations, but specifically influencer relations and helping brands and now cannabis brands connect with creators to actually tell their story in very relatable ways. And um, our marketplace allows companies to work with creators in whether they want to work with them in small ways, like for a hundred dollars or for a monthly fee. All right. So we're going to, we're going to talk. So I, okay, so we're going to talk about high curious because that is the thing that, but I like talking about you too. All right. So you, <laughs> so that is so funny. So you've done this. So have you become like a evangelizing pioneer in your corporate life? Are you telling people about this? Are you, are you still like, oh my God, I can't believe I, I believe in it, but I'm not quite sure I can like evangelize about it yet. Oh my God. No, the reason no, no, why no. Like, <laughs> I, I don't go like, I'm just like, shh, dive right in. So like I, I was all of a sudden, I mean, that I started talking about it on LinkedIn while I was still working at Ketchum. I started talking about it on my Instagram while I was still working at Ketchum. So this is and 2017, 2018. This is early. Okay. 2017, 2018. Yeah. Yeah. And it was actually before the hemp bill. Farm bill. So yeah. Passed, yep. And uh, the farm bill. And I was like, guys, like. You guys, like, you got to try this. And I was always the person. So I was really into fitness and into nutrition and healthy eating and all that stuff. And so it's always evangelizing for things. So it wasn't strange for me to be like ahead of the curve. Like I had a Peloton when people were like, what's Peloton? You know what I mean? Like I've always been that person. So with cannabis, I was just like, come on, everyone. Like, this is amazing. You need so to you're, try okay. When I, so we're very similar this way, but when I would tell it to people, they still didn't believe me. Like my mother never believed me. And like some of my friends didn't believe me until they met a medical professional or I brought them to some events where I was not the person telling them. So but were people listening to you? Depends. Like my family, like I still, unfortunately, this caused a huge rip, rip with my dad and has not been healed. Mm -hmm. So that really sucks. And it is what it is. And But other people have either come around to it because they've seen me and how it's helped me, such as like my mom and 
siblings and stuff like that. But then as it relates to like other people, it's interesting in the beginning, all my like former PR and marketing contacts on LinkedIn wouldn't even like my posts about cannabis because they were afraid that, you know, people would see that they were liking my posts and that must mean that they're, and so they would DM me like, I can't like your posts, but I like your posts. And oh, it's like when my friends are like, I took Gabby. I'm like, you don't have to whisper anymore. There's no more whispering. <laughs> And it's so funny because I do now spend most of my time and day talking to people for whom cannabis is like a regular thing, which like it feels like the olden days, 2017, when these people were were doing that. But it's still insane for that. We've moved on, but they haven't. Many of them. So. OK. All right. So so you had no idea how complicated and difficult this was going to be. You just were evangelized because you felt better, which, again, this is the story I share often. Like what, the women I talk to, these leaders in the industry, you pioneering women are you become the woman you needed at the time. I don't know. You just, I don't know your autodidactics. I don't know what's up with you guys, but you like create these people. So you start, you had no idea that the bank would be impossible. Rules are ridiculous. Regulation, money, none of that. You just saw this is a need and I'm going to do it. Yeah. I just saw that there was nobody out there like me talking yeah. about cannabis as a wellness supplement. There was no one who was like highly educated, highly professional, all these things who was like out there being like, this is good. I don't know what you guys are vilifying this about. This is good. So I was like, I want to create more me's. <laughs> All right. So this yeah. comes to high curious. All right. So you have this evangelization. You feel better. You're telling people. And then when do you, when do you start high curious? And when do you move to Colorado? What's, what was the process? So in, in I left Ketchum in 2018, September. In 2019, around like April, I started building the High Curious app. And then it was summer of 2019 when we moved here to Colorado. And that same summer was, if you'll recall, Vapegate, where the vitamin E, or the vitamin E acetate that was in some things and people were dying of like lung disease from using vape pens. And it was like kind of muddy if it was like cannabis or jewel or whatever. Anyway, um, nicotine, whatever. So, but so at that time, what happened was all the cannabis apps that were either currently that were currently on the app store got taken off all the app stores. So I was like, how am I supposed to get an app on the app store? So that was 2019, like summer. I kind of put that on the shelf. But in 2020, when COVID hit, I was like, I've got to figure out a way to like get my community together that's not on Instagram. And especially because at that time, I mean, it's still bad, but it's not as bad in terms of getting shut down and everybody getting their pages taken down on Instagram and all of the like shadow banning and suppression. And at that time, I was like, we need another place. So I wanted to build High Curious as a platform where people were really talking about cannabis as a wellness supplement. And so that was how I structured the original platform. Mm -hmm. It was really just high curious cannabis for wellness. That's it. And mm -hmm. I just knew kind of that that was the right energy for the next generation of cannabis consumers who are like me. So you are. So you're kind of creating a place for women like me, the woman I talked to on the show. A place. I guess I found a lot of that. I did use the High Curious app, but I found a lot of that on Clubhouse. I guess like it was trying to find these communities. And obviously, this podcast I meet a lot of women. So. That idea that there's a network across that we need to get, we need to do this together. So that's good. Interesting. Okay. Right. And, but of course the challenge was that if I needed, if I wanted to monetize it, 
I needed to have not just thousands, but like hundreds of thousands of people on this platform and getting people awareness in cannabis is extremely challenging, even for an expert marketer. We have very, very limited resources, both from the places that we can tell stories as well as money. So it just, and I noted, I still saw that others were doing it way better than me, for example, weed too. And, and then, so fast forward to this past summer, I've been trying to grow this community for three years. And I had this conversation with Aaron Richard, the founder of WeedTube and Sears Social Club. And I, and he was doing such a good job and talking to me about what he's been doing. And I'm like, not to be, I didn't even have imposter syndrome about this. I was just like, I can't do that. Like, I'm not like he's a millennial and he's cooler than me and he's connected to everybody and he's been doing it since the beginning and he understands algorithms and all these things that like aren't my sweet spot. So that's when I decided to pivot to create the content marketplace, which is where we are today. Awesomeness. All right. Which is for people like me who are out there creating content. But again, we can't do everything ourselves. We think we can Gen Xers, but we can't. Even Cheryl Sandberg said we can't have it all. So. Although she did first tell to lean in, which I always say was Fuck literally her. the worst advice. Yeah, exactly. Lordy, lordy, Cheryl. Lean out, bitches. That's what boundaries are leaning out, by the way. All right. So again, cannabis is enormous. Hemp is enormous. This is everybody. And how do we get this idea that this is health and wellness for women like us? It's not necessarily marketed that way. So it might not be the stories that we hear, but these are the stories that I'm sharing. And these are the stories that your creators are sharing. And so how are you doing that? Who are the creators that are up there and how are they helping to get the story out? This is health and wellness for us. Well, I think that the the issue kind of goes back to 280E, right? Which we know means that cannabis companies can't write off anything that are not, is not ops or production. And marketing always falls outside of that, which means that they have no federal tax breaks on marketing. So cannabis companies have not been known to be spending on marketing. But then if you take a look at where we are from an industry standpoint right now, where in California, we have ounces going for $60. And, really? Yeah. And weed in Oregon being thrown away because they can't sell it or process it. And this child, this problem to me is it, as a marketer, it's a marketing problem right? It's that if you don't spend on marketing, Pepsi is just some brown sparkly liquid in a can, but Pepsi is PepsiCo and the Super Bowl and music and fashion and all these things because of marketing. So you will pay the price for PepsiCo and other products rather than the store-bought cola because of marketing. We don't have that in cannabis. So this is what content creators can do for brands is that they can help brands be relatable to the create to to the to the consumer who follows these people and trusts these people so we are working with creators like high society mama bianca snyder with that so much energy i've actually seen her in real life that's real energy people that's not made up no she's she's awesome she really is <laughs> and she will help brands with her expertise as well you know she comes from an advertising background in liquor alcohol before coming to the cannabis industry so she brings a lot of experience and background 
And she also has like incredible social media prowess. Mm -hmm. And so just getting to be a part of her ecosystem is really helpful for brands. So Bianca is available on the platform. We also are working on some people with like over a million followers right now, like Bradley King, cannabis coach. And he and I just, near two ships passing, he haven't connected yet, but he's very excited to be on the platform. I also just talked to Elizabeth Udell yesterday, who's a big connector in the creator space. So I'm excited to bring on really some creators who are already working with brands so that brands can start to learn from those creators how to work with, how to, how to work with them. So my hope, trying to figure this, finish this thought off is that brands and, you know, marketers can start to dabble in, in marketing as specifically in content marketing by using inexpensive, like an inexpensive on-ramp to marketing rather than having to, you know, pay $5,000 or more to work with a, a marketing agency. Again, I talk about cannabis industry as an opportunity to build a new industry that looks like the plant, the caregiver, and it takes people doing the work to do it. So you're Again, we're kind of like bringing it, kind of lowering all expectations. I mean, I used to be a divorce lawyer and I actually did a lot of high asset divorce and was always amazed by some of the the pay inequities in our country based on like how I see at the very top are paid and what happens to them. And it's, it seemed like it would never stop. So this idea that businesses can refocus their energies and come down to like actually creating capitalism so we distribute capital in many different ways, I think it's kind of hopeful. And it only comes with small market. It comes at a smaller scale, which, you yeah, know, I mean, cannabis has to stay at a small scale for now, but you know, we'll see what happens. Tim Cook announced that he's taking a $50 million pay cut in order to not have to lay off Apple employees. Oh, altruistic Tim Cook. How much does someone working at the Apple store make? $15 an hour, let's just say. Tim Cook makes a hundred million dollars a year. Let's just talk about inequity. So yeah. So anyway, so we're talking about marketing, capitalism, America. Our jam used to be making money. We were good at it. And this is a new industry that could actually help a lot more people and small businesses and allow again, women like me. I think we're sort of a unique generation of women who leaned in because Cheryl told us to and kind of felt like that wasn't so good. And now we're trying to do something else. But we have a lot of skills. We have a lot of education. And we know we do have more resources than we used to. We're not asking for credit cards anymore like my mother was. And we can own property. And until the Supreme Court says we're not humans, we still exist. So we should, I just like this idea of smaller scale, kind of collaborative leadership skills. I think this is a new model. Yeah. So what I actually, and I'm, I'm really excited about this because thanks for bringing this up, because to me, it's all about stakeholder capitalism, moving the needle from shareholder capitalism to stakeholder capitalism and thinking about everybody who is involved in the supply chain of your business. And when I think about a traditional agency, which is the world I used to work in, the way it would work is the agency says, okay, it's going to cost $50,000 a month and probably you're going to have about $100,000 in or out of pockets a month, which would be like paying for creators and other things like that, right? And there wouldn't really be any transparency and and there still isn't really. And the way that typically agencies work with creators 
is they go on to a platform that they subscribe to, and then they find a list of creators, which then they reach out to, and then they make a deal with them, and then they mark it up to the client. So now the client's paying double. So what I did, and the creator's not really reaping the benefit of that. So what I decided to do is flip the agency model. So at Hycurious on the content marketplace, the way it works is you pay the creator, they keep 70% of the transactions and we keep 30%. And so mostly agencies are going to hopefully bring about 30% down once they pay everything off and their salaries and stuff like that. So it really is a flipped agency model, but it allows me to not make money unless others make money. And that's the real difference between what we just talked about, about Tim Cook and what I'm trying to build and what I think many of us in the cannabis industry are trying to build, which is something that's generative. And if I help you and you do well, then I do well. And we and that really is all boats rise. So I don't know what you call what I created. And I don't know if it's something that others have done before or are starting to do. But this concept of like, I don't have really anything to sell except you are coming to sell what you have to sell on my platform. And, so. and, and as a creator, and actually as a parent of a creative, a musician, this idea of how this is a valuable skill set to be a creator, to be able to put content out into the world, to do whatever it is that I do or musicians do. And the idea that they're continually not getting respected and paid for what they can do. And then they can't do what they do best. It's just frustrating. So Again, as the podcaster creative, the idea that your platform exists to help me because it kind of comes back to that thing. I can't do it all myself. It's very hard to sell yourself, really, in a lot of ways. And it's using different sides of your brain to build the business, to create the business, to keep things organized. This is a lot of stuff going on as a creative because it is a small business, basically. And to have right. additional skills that you don't, this is just a nice, I think it's a great resource. There's so many of us out there who need this like little boost. Yeah. And what I do is I try to help you create products you can sell that are the things that you already do well or already have success in. So thinking about productizing your podcasts with commercials, or that's very simple, but like thinking about how a graphic designer can put together a package that makes sense for the cannabis industry. So that's, and that's actually what I love doing. And what I'm doing most of the day now is having calls with like our call on Monday, where I'm like listening to what people do and what people are good at and what they want to be doing, try to help them find a money-making opportunity in there. And then that gives us a product to sell with them on the platform. And she really does do that. If you're listening and you're looking for this kind of help, reach out to Lauren. She has that ability to, I don't know, organize, uh, create order out of chaos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that, thank you. And it's actually something I'm really passionate about. And I think it comes from years of having to listen to clients' problems, do the best I can with what I have that I know to find solutions quickly and at least offer up some some things to think about. And how to make money is is a part of that. Like, it's like, what do you love to do? And how can you make money at it? And I think like, right, we've always heard like, if you if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. So hopefully I'm helping people get to get paid to do what they love. I, I think you are. I know you're going to help me. So that's, <laughs> and it's all about me. All right, so let's just, I love the high curious thing. If you're out there listening, 
your creator, you want to get more connected. We're going to talk more how to get in touch with her, but let's keep talking about you. Um, so okay. you, got, you got kids and they're older now. How old are they now? 17 and 21. They're both snowboarding today. Okay. Colorado. So let's go back to, like, I tell my story a lot about how, like, I went and had an awakening in Colorado and came home and told my teenagers everything I knew was wrong. And then they yeah. caught me. Then my son had a bong. This is true. That summer. And we were on the porch at a beach house and my daughter found me and my son and it was a whole thing. So that was cannabis in our house. And now we're, we're cannabis friendly. So what was the discussion like? I know you said originally this came from your husband, but like, how did that conversation go down? And then how have you been talking to them? And how did, I, I, know, I know you said your father reacted badly, but, you know, how has it worked sort of in your friend's group and things like that? Yeah. So I wrote a book all about this called okay. I Curious. And it's available on Amazon and Audible. I read it. It's exactly four hours and 20 minutes. And it costs $14.20. I decided to make it that much and four twenty to download the, the, the Kindle anyway. So great. That's hysterical. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's called High Curious, A Reforming Rat Racer's Journey to Wellness. And obviously the wellness is cannabis. And it's really, but it's really the journey of my family and how Cannabis has unlocked a completely new person for me, a completely new mom, a completely new relationship with my children. And obviously, I couldn't see that that was coming in 2017, but I wrote the book in 2020 and obviously still evolving, but it's a good sort of starter tale of what happened to me, my family, and everything, like sort of every aspect of my life changed because of cannabis. And so I wrote about that in the book, but specifically to kids. So the funny story that I tell in the book is that my son, Ethan, was actually kicked out of his Tony private school for having a weed pen at school. And that was in, in, in New York year, in his junior year of high school. No big deal. And turn, it was in May, so it ended up whatever. They were good to us. And when honestly, it shouldn't uh, read the book, but basically privilege. The people who had more money got, got back in magically. And those of us who were like scraping by to pay the tuition, like the two kids that were involved that whatever got kicked out, but it didn't go on its permanent record and stuff like that. So anyway, he, it, he did steal my, my weed pen at that time. However, what I came to find out was that Ethan was even had tried weed before I had. So like he was 15 and I hadn't even like dabbled in it yet. Like this was before Barry had retired and all this. So like, in fact, this was really a watershed for our family because it allowed me to be like, okay, what's really going on with you that you feel like you wanted, you just wanted to steal this from me and you wanted to use it, right? And like the whole bringing it into school was more just like um, trying to be popular, honestly. But and it was a huge defining experience for everyone in our family, of course. But the crazy thing was that so Ethan had a, has a lot of anxiety and had even way, 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 way more than and he had tried drug Lexapro and it, he just didn't like it made him feel and therapy and whatever. Obviously, he had found that cannabis was helping him. So one day he's having like a major panic meltdown, like 
is my life going to be ruined? Am I going to like not be able to go to college? Like, is this it? Like, am I like, and he was like writhing and couldn't breathe. And I was like, do you think weed would make this feel better? And he was like, yeah. And I like went, I got a pen. I told my husband, I'm like, I'm giving him this. And I gave it to him and like immediately he calmed down. We, we took, we were able to talk about it. He was able to cry about it and get it out. And, and then he was like able to come around and be like, okay, my life is not ruined. And like, and all that in one little, like, right. And how, and then that was like when he was a junior and then he subsequently went to high school, public high school. And he, which kind of allowed me to leave Ketchum. And he and I, like- Did you move, did you move after this year? Did you move when he was a senior or did you? No, we moved after that. After that, okay, okay, after graduated. But yeah, so he graduated from like the high school in the town where we were living in New York. And, but he would like come home from school. We would smoke weed together. Like, and that's like how we discovered it together. We learned about it a lot together. And then, I mean, um, I mean, you're like, I mean, you do sound a lot like I was like, I talk about being a wine mom and being like completely stressed out. And I feel kind of bad that I didn't smoke cannabis when they were little because I've actually could have been a better mom. I could have actually invested in their life. That's what I mean. Like, I look back now and I'm like, God, I was the worst. Like, I wasn't, I, I would be, I was so busy, which I was so busy, but I was also so stressed out all the time. So like, I was not, like, I wasn't present in my life ever. Like, I would be like, they'd be there. I'd be on my Blackberry or then my phone, whatever. I'd be like, like crazy. And then I would be trying to put them to bed, but also thinking about all the things that I had at work. And then I'd get back on my phone or my computer to like work until whatever. And I wouldn't see them in the morning. And then on the weekends, I would have no energy for them. I was burnt out, spent out. And I would just like go to their soccer games and like, I was just moving through life. Versus now I like, I take the time to like invest in listening to what Chase did at school. And like, I am here at home. And I think COVID had a lot to do with that for a lot of people, but like, and like, I'm just so much more able to like, I don't know, own my shit with them too. And like force them to own their shit. And like, we just have, so, and like, it, obviously it's a combination of them growing up and, you know, all that, but it's like, we just together, there's no, like this pretense that used to be. And it was a lot of how I was raised. And I right. think I've changed a lot of how we just have, we just are people that are together in a family. And, we and, love and again, I, I, ta- I talk a lot about this. My kids were home for the um, COVID and I would much rather be in lockdown with a stoner than a drinker like when you drink together we get angry or we get too active or whatever it is that happens and we were so kind to each other and talked and my daughter went away to college she was an 18 year old girl so I was happy she went to the University of Arizona which I know you have a connection to but I don't think we're going to get to but when she came home after that freshman year that was a new relationship for all all of us all four of us and it really helped that we 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 handled the pandemic really well because of cannabis. And if we had been drinking, I think it would have been a different experience. I really do. Totally, totally. And like, yeah, I was never really a big drinker so much. So cannabis helped me discover that I had anxiety. Hey, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't realize that, oh, this feeling that I have where I'm like 
running like a maniac all the time isn't how everyone feels or that's not like my superpower. That's actually like a problem that if I managed, I could be like better and healthier. And cannabis really helped me start to see the potential of what like a well me could look like. And if you looked at like in the book, there's pictures of what I used to look like. And I had like a six pack and was ripped and like all this stuff. And right. But I wasn't healthy in my mind then I was freaking nuts and that and again I I think we are like models whatever whatever people think cannabis is whatever they think it's going to do to them this idea that we don't have to feel shitty all the time ladies your only options are not you know just pharmaceuticals or alcohol maybe this is for you maybe it's not but it shouldn't be something you're ashamed of and it shouldn't be something you're afraid of which is really the message I try to get to people which is why I'm taking my friends who wouldn't necessarily go to a dispensary to a dispensary because it's access sometimes and it's representation. And that's what we're doing right here. And we actually are yeah. running up on time. So, um, oh my goodness. I don't know. Okay. Chit-chatting. All right. So maybe you do have like, so you are a University of Arizona alum. Have you done any work there? Have you gone back to like advocate for cannabis in Arizona? <laughs> no, but I'm excited to go to Cal Arizona to see the cannabis industry there because I think they're doing a good job. And it's exciting because I think the East Coast is not doing a good job. I want you to say something quickly. What do you think about Arizona's going better than the um, East Coast? Well, I think that there is smaller mom and pop shop options in in Arizona, just like there are here in Colorado and in also in New Mexico. And so I think that that creates industry where the the MSOs, the big guys, don't have a, a hold or on a stranglehold on everything because this way the quality of product will go up instead of going down because the only place you can get weed is Cure Leaf and True Leaf and they've set the price standard and now nobody wants to go shop at the more expensive mom and pop shops because they're a little bit, they're pricier, but that's where the quality is. So, so is it MS, do you think like, I don't know, this is like a policy question, but so I know in Massachusetts, one of the issues was we had medicinal first and medicinal came in seed to sale. So the only people who could come in were people who had money, basically MSO. So right. Not like in Massachusetts, not all of those got their retail licenses right away. There is some social equity things about trying to get smaller dispensaries in, but do you think that's part of the issue is when you get the medicinal or the vertical integration first in the state, it's hard to break it? Yeah, I think New Jersey is a perfect example. New Jersey is filled with GTI, Curaly, Truly is like everywhere. And because of the medical side first, right? And so it makes a lot, it makes it just so much more expensive and so much harder to fight for market share for the smaller equity companies that are coming in because they don't have a million dollars to spend on brand national brand awareness. So I think it 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 hinders like, yeah, the fact that there's all these MSOs really hinders everybody. But also the whole vertically integrated worst idea ever. Yeah, I think it's a vertically if I yeah, as as a policy person now, I'm like, yeah, vertical. That was a bad idea. I don't know what people thought they were doing. All right. And I have one more question. Is the Super Bowl going to have a cannabis commercial? Is anything coming up? Have you heard anything in the world of marketing or advertising or anything? I don't know. I doubt it. No. I think if Snowy would have heard already mm. because usually, I mean, unless, like literally unless, because I've worked on many, many Super Bowl campaigns and, this, and I know what the strategy is for like releasing the 
the, the content. And basically you would announce that you're doing it in like December and or November. And then you would tease content mm-hmm. out between like January 15th and now next week, whatever. And like, so unless they're going like, let's just surprise the F out of everyone and we're going to get our publicity on the other side and that's their strategy, which is a, a good strategy, then the answer, in my opinion, is no. Hmm. I just, I like the New York people are in it now. So I'm like, hmm, who knows what they're planning, but whatever. I don't, I don't but know. Yeah. Up until like, there would be a huge precedent change in yeah. network allowed it. So I just can't imagine that not being news. True. Plus, I don't know. There's still, I mean, cannabis companies, just whatever. It's hard. It's financing. It's hard in cannabis people. Still hard. All right. But I also <laughs> think one more thing on that. I do think that companies who want to activate around the Super Bowl absolutely can in mm. cannabis because there's the social media is so strong around that, that if they're smart, like, for example, I think that somebody Fairchild having a golf tournament, right? And so there's it, there's ways to activate at the Super Bowl and be a part of that mainstream sports energy without having a commercial, which a commercial costs. I mean, the, think the actual answer to your question is no, no one can afford it. No one could afford it. That's what I was thinking. But there are other ways. Again, I've gone to golf. Again, I'm not a golfer, but I've been going to golf events that are sponsored by cannabis companies now. So that's like I, it was the fir- it was literally the first consumption event I'd gone to on a golf course. Yeah, it was a anyway. So yeah, I can see how that would work. All right. Oh my God, Lauren, I could talk to you for like another hour, but I can't. I know. I love talking to you. All right. So Lauren, if people want to connect with you, they want to become high curious creators. They want to reach out to you. What is the best way to meet you and connect with you? Absolutely. So if you want to become a high curious content creator and join the cur- high curious content marketplace. You can find me at highcurious.com. You can also download the High Curious mobile app on both app stores. And you can also find us on Instagram at high.curious or reach out to me at Lauren Mundell on LinkedIn. And if you are interested, if you are a cannabis company interested in working with creators, you can also go to highcurious.com and schedule a free consultation with me where I will help you with your marketing and find the right people to solve your problems for you. Amazing. Another woman in cannabis changing the game because she can. So thank you, Lauren. Thank you for joining us today. So another show. So for my guest and of course, my Cannabro David Jazz and our Cannamom Show team, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Cannamom Show, where we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love, kindness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for following and sharing the inspiring stories of the women building this new industry so together we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannamom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. 
Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has can of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects Network.